Welcome to Talk No Jutsu. I'm Smug Donuts here with my wife, Spiral Fish Cake, and we're here to talk about anime. Anime is an important part of our culture! On this episode, we're going to talk about our favorite anime that we watched from 2020, some underrated anime we watched in 2020, and our waifu of the week, Mikasa Ackerman from the Attack on Titan series. And lastly, we're going to talk about some anime we've been watching recently, such as Attack on Titan Season 4, Uzuki Chan Wants to Hang Out, Jujutsu Kaisen, and more. Yay! This is going to be awesome! <laughs> Since 2020 is coming to an end, we wanted to wrap it up with a top 10 anime list. So here's our top 10 favorite anime that we watched this year. Could be from various years, but this is our list. Top 10 that we watched this year. And would you like to start us off? Yeah, so we're going to go in order from 10 to the top. So our 10th favorite anime to our top favorite anime that we watched this year. So my 10th favorite anime that I watched this year is Blood Blockade Battlefront. Both seasons. I knew you would bring this yeah, one up. I loved it. I remember watching it the first time and I was like, wow, this is such an interesting anime. It's very different. Crazy stuff's always happening. There's always great action. Characters are hilarious. I enjoyed it a lot. So much so that I was like, I have to show this to Smug Donuts. I can't not show this to him. Yeah, and I loved it too. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. it. It is really amazing. I feel like Leonardo Watch is a really good protagonist mm-hmm. in that show. Him and all of the colorful, goofy characters that are in it, I just think that they have a lot of good chemistry. And I feel like he is not always the strongest or anything like that, but he's very brave in that show. Yeah. For sure. And he gets thrown around into so many crazy situations by these people. Like, they're in the city that's got all these aliens and creatures and all sorts of crazy stuff in it. And he somehow manages to make it work for him there. You were mentioning to me earlier this week that you have a problem when they say stuff like, oh, anything can happen in this city. This is yeah. a different city. Blood Blockade Battlefront is the anime where you're like, well, what's going to happen next to this city? This is This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what like, is happening? Literally, he'll be driving down the street, you know, trying to deliver a pizza and a giant creature will walk by and just start turning people into goo. And he'll be like, man, I'm going to be late to deliver my pizza. Like, it's not <laughs> even a big deal or something like right. that didn't really happen in the show. But that's just an example of like the kind of stuff that happens. Like in the second season, I forget what exactly he was doing, but there's a part where he's like falling in the sky or something. And there's these things that attach to your brain also falling in the sky and they're like killing people once they attach to their heads and he's like holy crap i gotta get out of here <laughs> there's all sorts of crazy stuff that happens in that show it always surprised me i went into each episode being like i literally don't know what's gonna happen so my 10th favorite anime i watched this year is dr stone i really love this anime because it does something that i don't see too many other animes doing which is it really capitalizes on the science aspect of things but with hard science that's explained to everybody like when i'm watching this show i'm an engineer i study science quite a bit so i understand what they're talking about before they do the explanations and i'm like oh he wants to do this that i don't know all the chemicals necessarily that they're talking about like the super specific stuff 
stuff. But when he's going into the explanations, I'm normally excited. I'm normally like, yeah, I want to see what he does next, how he carries this prehistoric story into the Stone Age or whatever the next thing is. I'm always really hype. And normally they always tie those together in a really cool way too. Like what they did with the Christmas tree and how they tied that really cool moment with the light bulb with the Christmas tree. It's such a unique way of doing an isekai where instead of sending the person to another world it's the exact same world but just so much has changed right just because the sheer amount of time it's also kind of like a post-apocalypse it does a lot of cool things in just a very different way and so even though it feels like a typical shonen it's not it's different and that's cool and you don't see that very often typically it's all just the same thing with the same trope this one has some tropes here and there but mostly it does its own thing and i really like it i have this ranked as my number nine favorite anime that I watched this year so this works great. I love Senku as a main character. I just think he's really interesting because he is such a good problem solver. He's always so full of so many ideas. He's always using his skills to better the society that they live in and to try to really make it function for everybody and I think it's so cool and he's really brave like he's willing to go really far for science on some things. For sure and I love the characters along with Senku as well like I love all the other characters all the women in that show yeah it's fun seeing him once he starts working together with everybody in his team and the things that they pull off all together are just really great yeah he knows how to be a leader and hype people up it's really cool right he's charismatic he's intelligent he's got like that 3,000 billion IQ For real, for real. I mean, isn't it amazing he can create all that stuff with just his memorization of how things work? Right. He doesn't have any books. He's not following any recipes. It's all coming from his head. So what's your number nine? So my number nine is Demon Slayer. That anime is incredible with its animation. I wasn't totally sold toward the beginning, but as it went on and ramped up, it got better and better to the point where I was totally sold. I'm 100% ready for this anime to continue on and continue being awesome. Especially now, I know we weren't super happy with the training parts toward the beginning. Now he's doing some real breathing training toward the end, and we really like the training segments toward the ends. It's starting to almost have some Naruto-like aspects with that. I really love the way that they're doing the training, and I love the way that they did the big fight against spider people how he did his big move toward the end there that was animated so incredibly the animation in demon slayer is so good and i think that tanjiro is a really good main character as well i like his chemistry with zenitsu and inosuke and then nezuko i think that it's really sweet seeing a brother sister relationship they protect each other they look out for each other and he's doing all of this really for his sisters it's not on my list but i did really enjoy it So for number eight, I have ReZero, the first season. So we're still watching the second season this year, but I also watched the original season this year and I really enjoyed it. It was great. I feel like Subaru is hilarious. And at first I wasn't sure if he was just going to keep on being this happy-go-lucky dude throughout the whole show. And what I like about ReZero is there's a lot of character growth, I feel like, within him and within other characters. And he goes through so much in that show. And yet he's really able to do a lot, but it also shows that he goes through a lot and how it affects him. I really enjoy that about the show. And I really enjoy the other characters. I really enjoy 
Amelia. I really enjoy Rem. She's such a cutie. She's adorable. I think the world itself is pretty cool. There's so much in it to know and explore and it's been interesting watching season two and seeing a little bit more of the world and I hope that we keep on seeing that and I'm excited to see more. I agree with you. I think that it really does something masterful with the portrayal of Subaru's decline in the first season. You see this thing, this superpower he basically has that is the basis for the anime, what makes it different. And you see this thing and it's like, this is such a powerful thing that he can do. And yet you can see the toll that it takes on him. And normally when the hero has some kind of superpower or like some kind of special ability, it's just a positive thing. It's just something that makes them unique and different. But this really takes a toll on him, on his personality, his brain, on his ability to process emotion, on his beliefs. You can really see him start to focus in on his goals almost to a crazy extent to the point where he thinks that he has to be this perfect thing. The stuff that he does almost seems like he's doing it without reason at some point. The things that he does are all to save people, but he's like doing it all for himself, like really selfishly. And you really see him wake up to that at certain points in the series. It's really interesting. So what is your number eight? So my number eight is Attack on Titan. We are really late to the Attack on Titan train. It's really good timing, actually, though, with season four coming out. Yeah, we got to watch the first three seasons. You were with us for season one, but season two and three we just watched. And wow, season three, part two is one of the best animes of all time. Yeah, I was getting a little, (laughs) like, unsure during season two. I was like, okay, I mean, I don't know about all this. But then season three got really good in the beginning, and then it was fantastic in the end. Absolutely. And the stuff that Levi does to Titans when his whole squad is on the line. It's incredible. It's crazy to see him zooming around, Spider-Manning and cutting, and the animation is just incredible. Well, I have Attack on Titan on my list as well. Do you want to talk about that later? I will talk about that more a little bit. All right, what's your number seven? 91 Days. So this is an anime basically about this guy who his family is murdered by the mafia and he seeks to get revenge against those who killed him later on in his life because he's a kid when that happens. So when he's a young man, he makes a plot to infiltrate the mafia and get close to them and kill them. Kill the people who killed his family. It was a really good show. The plot was amazing. Characters were amazing. There was so much tension in it throughout. Things that the main character Angelo does to infiltrate the mafia and to get back at these people is just insane. I mean, there are some parts where I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way he's going to get away with this. And it was at times stressful to watch, but just always kept me on the edge of my seat. And I really liked it a lot. It's more of like a unique anime. I don't really see anime really set in this time period very often. It's set during Prohibition because they're involved in the illegal alcohol like the creation of alcohol and selling and all of that and I just don't see very much anime set during that time or set in America it was very good my number seven is Jojo's (laughs) all of Jojo or like a specific screw that screw that all of Jojo (laughs) Dio First of all, can I just say that? Just Dio. Seeing him like jump out of a carriage, do an aggro panic. He's so extra all landing, the time. And like seeing him, Kono Dio da. Like, <laughs> but it was me, Dio. Dio. <laughs> and oh, we and love just Dio. Speedwagon. Yes. No, Jojo. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, and the memes are all so good. They're so good. I love Jonathan and Joseph and Jotaro's cool. Yeah. He's a little mean to his mom, but he's cool. Every time I talk about Jojo, I just feel like happy inside. I don't know uh-huh. what it is. It's just because things are so goofy in that anime. Like there's so much meme energy, but I love every moment of it. I miss Jojo a lot. When we're watching new anime, I'm like, man, why can't this have the same level of meme energy as Jojo? <laughs> Like, I want anime that have meaningful plots and stuff right. and are serious and dramatic or romantic or whatever. But where's my JoJo again? I miss JoJo and it hasn't <laughs> even been a year. Well, there is more JoJo to watch we do, that we haven't watched. But is it dub? No, it's not yet. We watched the dub. So what's your number six? Well, speaking of shows that have a lot of meme energy, Cromarty High School. Yes, I knew this would be on here for you. I love Cromarty High School and I miss it all the time. Literally, whenever I want to watch something funny, I just think about Cromarty High School and I'm like, okay, nothing's ever going to be quite as funny or amusing as Cromarty High School. Like, I would be literally laughing out loud so hard every time I watch that show. Just seeing a bunch of delinquents in the anime, just being goofy together. They make fun of all the tropes of delinquents in anime anime and it's just really great because as somebody who really enjoys anime with gang stuff it's really amusing to see them making fun of all of the things that kind of go along with that and having these long running gags that are just so hilarious the gag that really got me all the time was the one guy who's this big bad leader of the freshman class but he got motion sickness and they would just take it to absurd levels sometimes there's one time where he is nervous to go on a field trip and he ends up on a plane because the field trip's on a plane and it ends up being hijacked. The plane is hijacked and this guy's trying to deal with his motion sickness and then he ends up in Nevada in the U.S. desert somewhere from Japan. They just keep upping themselves with how outlandish and ridiculous all the things are and I love that kind of humor where you expect it to be on a certain level and then it just reaches a level that you would have never imagined it going. (laughs) And so for me it was just the characters were really funny, the running gags were really funny. I laughed every episode I watched that show. A lot too. And they're really short episodes. I think they're only 11 minutes long and I'm amazed at how much they were able to do in those 11 minutes and how much they were able to make me laugh. Yeah, I definitely sensed that that was going to be a personal favorite of yours when you were watching it. You were always happy when you watched. (laughs) Always in a good mood. Yeah, it literally brought me so much joy to my day-to-day life. I need to find another show that brings me that much joy. I don't know if I will ever find one that brings me quite that much joy. Maybe not. Oh, well. My number six is Rent-A-Girlfriend. I really love the harem genre and romance in general. And Rent-A-Girlfriend is definitely one of those that I'm going to remember for a long time. Both because it was different. It's not just a standard romance. It has this other interesting part to it with the Rent-A-Girlfriend aspect. But also because the main character is kind of a sleazeball. But at the same time, he's kind of really nice and cool if you get to know him. And... The girl that he was into at first is a trash bin that is on legs and... has a twitter account mommy belongs to the streets yes the streets own mommy and of course chizuru is amazing and we love her we talked about that last episode and i also love the other girls ruka and sumi they're both really cute the thing that i admire about rena girlfriend is its ability to do cliffhangers perfectly when you finish an episode you're like oh i have to watch the next one which when i watched it subbed when it first came out i was not watching week to week 
week. I waited until some built up and I just had to watch them all in a row. I couldn't wait until the next time. And then we had to watch it week to week dubbed. And that was so painful. It's like, what's going to happen next time? Oh my gosh. It was painful. But they do that so well. And then when you watch the next episode, they actually deliver on it. And the anime continues on, maybe not the way you expected, but it continues on in a just as interesting way. So for my number five, we're in the top five territory now. Haikyuu. And this is all the three seasons of Haikyuu. I loved Haikyuu so much. I really enjoyed seeing their camaraderie as a team, their growth as a team, their growth as people. That's one of my favorite things about sports anime. I haven't watched a whole lot of sports anime, but I really enjoy the ones that deeply explore growth in terms of their sport. It's what I like about shonen. Like, I love training in shonen, right? Because I like to see them training and practicing, and then I like to see the payoff later on what they're doing and what they've learned, how they use it in, like, a fight or something. And it's very much the same thing in sports anime and especially in haiku they would learn to work better together as a team they'd learn how to do things personally better not just in their techniques in volleyball but in who they are as people and it was great to see the payoff and i just remember being on the edge of my seat and cheering for them so hard i don't even know if i cheer for real life sports like that like I remember feeling like my heart was racing. I'm like, oh my gosh, are they going to win? What's going to happen? And of course, the characters are really great too. I mean, who doesn't love Oikawa? Oikawa is a masterfully built character. He's amazing. Who doesn't love who Hinata? Who doesn't love it? Yeah, Hinata is cool He's a as well. Sweetheart. sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love Bathroom Coon? And his ability to bring foes <laughs> and friends together. I, I love how they even address that in the show. It's just like, <laughs> why do I keep meeting people in the bathroom that are my enemies? I love Haikyuu as well. I watched it for the first time this year, too. I was going to have it on my top 10, but I heard you were going to have it. And then I took it off. <laughs> You're oh funny. My gosh. I love Haikyuu. The thing I really love about it is its ability to craft these moments where you have no clue what's going to happen first of all because sports anime aren't like normal anime where the character dies or like they fall out of love they just have to win a competition and if they don't win sometimes they get to try again you know sometimes maybe one character doesn't get to try again but everybody else does they get to learn and they get to go to the next stage and you're rooting for them hoping that they can get to nationals or get to the inter high or get to whatever and haiku does this amazingly where it's got your attention during all these moments and you're going oh my gosh are they going to be able to pull off this crazy play and the thing that i think is really beautiful about how they do it is that they craft these crazy plays over the entirety of the series you see them training for these moments and it's all the different people not just one guy doing this big move it's all the different people on the team doing these big plays and then at the culmination you see a thousand different things happen at once and each person is having their own moment that's like the ending of a big arc and maybe each person in the season gets a big arc the big moment that focuses on them but you get to see all these little moments happening that are culminations of little arcs too all during one volleyball rally and it's crazy and amazing the way that they craft the storylines like that it really is an example of why people love sports they take all those storylines and put them concentrated into just a few really intense sports matches i really love haiku it's really good 
So what's your fifth one? What's starting so, off your top five? Before I say it, I just want to say my top five going to transition a little bit into the things that are a little bit more personal to me. These are more favorites than like things that I think are the most amazing anime of all time. These are the things that touched me personally the most above all the other anime. And the number five for that, I watched two anime that featured characters that were like girls that stay at home and they're perfect normally but then when nobody's looking they're like a slob or maybe they're a perfect once and they turn into a slob one of them was gabriel dropout which i just finished we'll talk about that later but i thought that wasn't as good as any of these top 10 however my number five favorite anime this year is himoto imaru chan we need to watch season two it's so good season one I definitely the, identify with Umaru Chen. It felt like a gamer version of a Kangon or something where I'm just like sitting back watching people do their thing and her and her brother are so cute together and the different other people in the show as well that she competes with or that she teaches and that's how I feel sometimes is I feel like when I go to work I have to show this very professional somewhat serious version of myself but then when I come home I just turn into this like little gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> so I just really identify with that and I love it and I feel like I'm going to be referencing Umaru-chan forever. Yeah, she's a hilarious character. She really carries the whole show. She's what makes it so good and her relationship with her brother's also what makes it really good. I agree. Their relationship's really cute. So what's your number 4? My number 4 is Legend of the Galactic Heroes Die Nui Thies. I'm probably butchering that name, but I loved it so much introduced me to Yang, who I love a ton. He's one of my favorite characters that I was introduced to this year. He's just such a good strategist and watching the original version right now, that's been really good too. Super excited that it's getting more next year. So I cannot wait for it to come in 2021. I was not expecting that there would be more this soon and I am ready for it. I love stuff about war and it features stuff about war and I love space. So it's like everything that I really enjoy. And Lohengrom is not my favorite character, but I really like him too in terms of being an intellectual rival for Young and being a rival in general because they're literally at war with each other. But just seeing how there's no obvious bad guy, just two sides fighting. They both have flaws that are obvious. They explore both sides' flaws. And it's just so interesting because I feel like in a lot of things about war, it's just this group is definitely the bad ones. This other group's definitely the good ones. It's very black and white, but I like how sort of gray area this show is. And I just like all the different facets that they explore. So my number four is something very special to this podcast Rampa 3 that's right haha <laughs> you didn't see it coming no i really did didn't. you I you really didn't, didn't see Rampa 3 coming <laughs> i knew this one would surprise you really? you should have seen the look on her face <laughs> Rampa 3 gave us junko voice acting oh that's and true for that reason alone the voice acting in the game is good but the voice acting where she's like let me just play a clip because Jika Inoshima is ready for her epic entrance! 
I love Junko and I love the rest of the show as well. Chiaki Nanami is one of my favorite characters probably of all time. So the fact that we got to see an anime featuring her and featuring a ton of crazy stuff that happens with her. She's like one of the main characters of that show. You get Junko and you get her. And I think it's just really amazing the stuff that they do in that arc in particular. And then the other arc of the show is just really shocking and it brings back some characters that you don't expect to see. I really enjoyed it. The first episode especially, I was like, oh my god, this is going to be incredible. But as it went on, it maybe got a little worse. But I still enjoyed the whole thing enough to say, personally for me, the fact that we've been referencing every single episode of our podcast (laughs) to like anime is an important part of our culture. (laughs) And the Junko's voice adding, look at him tremble. He's going to burst a blood vessel. That's literally one of our titles of the show. I love Danganronpa 3. So my third favorite anime we watched this year, The Promise Neverland. Oh my gosh. I love The Promise Neverland. So good. Story so good. Characters are so good. Norman was my favorite. They're all so smart and capable and it was keeping me on the edge of my seat a lot like 91 Days. Just the storyline was always so good. The amount that they go through just for survival is incredible. And I love the chemistry between the main three. Between Norman, Emma, and Ray. They just really make a great team together. I binge it all one day i just couldn't stop watching because i just needed to know what happened and season two coming out next yes. year in next year we'll know what your top 10 is that another one added to your top 10 probably right there. probably right there i also guaranteed. really love that anime storytelling is incredible the setting is really good i think my favorite thing that they do in that anime is they don't give it away they never gave it away still it's the end of season one they had a bunch of reveals they never gave any anything away with the world you still have no clue where they are what happened we're still on the edge of our seat so far what we've seen is just crazy right like you said there are a lot of mysteries that we do unravel but there's also a lot we don't so it just is scary i think in the sense that there's so much potential for what could be out there what could be happening to them and i always have found that things are scarier when they don't quite reveal everything about the monster in the show or in the monster in the world or or the world itself and then you slowly get kind of more pieces as you go along and I think The Promise Neverland did a really good job with that. They did something to me that is really incredible in horror which is that typically in horror the thing is scary because you haven't seen it and then at the very end you see it and it loses all fear you have for it. They beat it a lot of the time or maybe it's scarier because you've seen it and right. it's horrifying. The Promise Neverland does a lot of reveals really early on to where you've seen some stuff that you wouldn't see in other horror. A lot of the horror continues on after you've seen a lot of these reveals and it, it keeps you going, keeps you interested by giving you little by little here, here's a little nibble here, here's a little nibble there and you feel satisfied with what you've got as it goes on. The reveals are really good but they still haven't given it away and you're so scared they did such a good job with it it's it's a really good example of that kind of survival horror we need to escape kind of thing so what's your third favorite anime that we watched this year you're gonna love me for this my third favorite anime is uzakichiyo wants to hang out that's right that's right it's (laughs) uzakichan And no, it's not because it's the best anime of all time. I get it, people. It's not the best anime of all time. But this is an anime that I have followed. I think this might be one of the first anime where 
I read the manga before the anime came out. Oh, you did? I didn't know yes. that. Yes. So I followed this from like the very beginning. There was a point in time where I went through the entire genre of people like bullying people in manga. A lot of really good ones came out all of a sudden. And Uzuki was one of those ones and people did not like Uzuki as much. But then it got an anime adaptation. And then when the anime came out, I was able to follow that and watch it as it came out. And I was so excited to see that the thing that I had followed in the manga had been adapted really well they picked really good voice actors for it they captured the essence of what happened with the manga and not only that but it stirred up a bunch of controversy a lot of people really did not like that this was made into an anime and i got to follow all of those stories as they came out and so uzuki-chan was in terms of anime like i i feel like i don't feel this way about other anime where i've followed it from the beginning and followed the whole story and i was there for controversies and i was like following the twitters and and just personally for me, it was very interesting to see what people thought, what the voice actors thought, what the translators changed about it that people might not have liked or what people thought about the character design that maybe they didn't like. But then the anime community liked it anyway, so they made an anime. And to me, this manga had a lot of stuff going up against it that I would think it wouldn't be made into an anime and it wouldn't get a season two because it has a lot of stuff that people wouldn't like but it feels like it stuck it to them anyway and it got made into an anime anyway and i got to see my favorite little manga genre finally up on the tv it was a cool moment for me personally even though obviously there's better anime out there and their relationship is a lot of fun to watch they have really good chemistry with each other i really like how heartwarming it can be and i really like how funny it can be it was definitely a good one to watch my second favorite anime that we watched this year my number two two is attack on titan a little bit higher than i had it yeah a little bit higher (laughs) i think it definitely deserves a top three finish i think that's fair i'm thinking of it as a whole too like all the seasons together because i really loved the first season i loved the third season especially the second part of the third season the second season admittedly i wasn't crazy about but there was still some really good stuff in there too but there's just so many good characters like i love levi i love armin I love Mikasa. I think Aaron's a pretty good main character. I love Irvin. I mean, there's just so many good characters in that show. And just to see the growth in everybody is just amazing. And it's one of those shows that isn't afraid to be really bleak, be really dark, and show you how brutal the world really is. And I actually find that kind of refreshing because sometimes I find in certain other shonen that there are a lot of emotional moments and there are a lot of downs and there are times where it is bleak but I feel like sometimes they'll shy away from it being too dark or like things will magically get solved somehow but this show doesn't pull any of that stuff for the most part. I find that it's always surprising me. There's some things that I was like all right I wonder if that's what's true like I bet that's the twist. And sometimes I was right, but there were a lot of times also where I did not see things coming at all. And I loved being surprised by this show. What's your number two? My number two is a classic. Code Geass. I think that I liked this more than I let on when we watched it, but I like this show because, first of all, I'm a sucker for stuff like Death Note, where the main character has some kind of power with limitations, and they use it intelligently to try to enforce their will on the world. I think that's really amazing. But mostly, I just like the way that the writer crafted a masterful storyline across multiple seasons 
seasons and was able to do a really good job at the beginning the middle and the end they just totally nailed the pacing of the story and the story points all felt really strong and really good a lot of times i guess what happens in an anime when it's gonna happen with this anime i remember being like oh man what if this happens what if that happens the only way this could happen is if something goes wrong here and it has to go wrong the stuff that goes wrong in this anime they were half expected from me but then it blew my mind how they happened and i'm just like oh my gosh the implications of how this went wrong it just does a really good job of subverting my expectations but at the same time doing the thing that i expect would cause the most havoc in a situation that would make it the most interesting and that's what i love in an anime is when i think to myself do you know it would take this to the next level if this happened and they do it but they do it in an even different way than i was expecting as you know not one of my favorites no (laughs) but i can recognize that it's really a good show but for me personally it was not one of my favorites i did enjoy watching it though i think Lelouch is a really good main character. He's got a lot of layers to him. He manages a lot. I love how intelligent he is. I really love intelligent characters. But there's something about that show for me. I don't know what it is. It just really kept me from really loving it or really being super into it. I did not have it spoiled for me. I don't know how that happened. But none of the big crazy points did I get spoiled. Even though it's been around for so long. And I've been interested in it for so long. I don't know how I've been able to not look anywhere they talk about Code Geass. And maybe that was my problem. I did have the ending spoiled for me. Well, enough about that. Let's not talk too much about spoilers. (laughs) Yeah. I understand why you have it as your number two. It was really good. It's a classic for sure. So my number one favorite anime I watched this year, Mob Psycho seasons one and two, especially season two. What an incredible set of seasons. Good. I was so reluctant to watch Mob Psycho and it took me a couple episodes Mm -hmm. to get into it. Yeah, we were not into episode one. But man, once we got into it, it was so good. It has some of the best fight scenes I've ever seen. It's just so cool and colorful. And I love Reagan. I love his relationship with Mob. They're such a sweet team, especially later on in season two and seeing all the lengths that Reagan will go to really be there for him. And Mob is such an interesting main character because he's so sweet and unassuming and kind but then when he gets mad he can really go a little crazy but he's like literally the most powerful being in that world probably but he's also like the most sweet gentle caring person and he has such good morals and values and i just love him and i love seeing him with his other friends like the body improvement club i think it was just a great mixture of really good action scenes really good animation great characters while also being very heartwarming all at the same time what do you think of mob psycho I thought that the characters in it were incredible. I thought Reagan, they knocked it out of the park. How do you top Reagan? You can't. You can't. And he's like this character who everybody looks up to, but at the same time is way too confident and goes into battle really strongly. I won't spoil too much about he, he either He also show. might be a bit of a fake, a fraud, a liar, and he might have initially been using Mob, but also none of that matters because he's a good person at his soul, in his heart. I think that's what I really like about Reagan, actually, is that he's not perfect, that he has flaws, but there's also a lot of good things about him. So for you, what is your number one favorite anime that we watched this year? <laughs> <laughs> Drum roll. 
my favorite anime of 2020 that we watched was Monogatari. I watched the final season of Monogatari this year. Also, Hana Monogatari with you. The final season is composed of Suki Monogatari, Koyomi Monogatari, Owari Monogatari 1 and 2, and Zoku Monogatari. And it all sort of ends with a Owari Monogatari, which is my favorite. It may not be my favorite Monogatari of all time. I still think that the movies, Kizu, are my favorite. Movies are so good. Oh my gosh. And the Hitagi end is also really good. It's probably my favorite as well. It's tied. The final season, it just has really amazing moments. Koyomi Monogatari is just a web series, and yet it has all of the really great moments that I show you all the time, like Shinobu with those donut scenes where everything's on fire. And then Awari Monogatari is just the culmination of the whole thing. And then Zoku is after the ending, things go a little crazy. And regardless of any of those things, every single episode that I watched just felt like it was masterfully done. It told its story really well, and it really deserved to be at the end of this crazy long arc. It just takes you on a really good journey, and I can't wait to show Awari Monogatari to you when we finally get to it, because I feel like we've just seen Aradagi help person after person after person, and you're wondering, well, what's the end of this story going to be? Does he keep his vampire powers? What's going on with all that? Who is going to be in it? Who's important to him at the end? What characters end up coming back and being the villain and the way that they wrap up the whole thing it's really good i don't want to spoil it for you or to the listeners but i just really have an appreciation for it now that we've talked about our favorite anime we watched in 2020 let's talk about some underrated anime we watched in 2020 so this is anime that you should go out and watch even though it's not on our top 10 list you should check this out anyway this stuff deserves more attention so i'll start us off and these ones are in no particular order but I have Eureka 7. This almost made it onto your top 10 as well. It's my 11th favorite. But I don't see people talking about this anime super often. Maybe I just am not looking in the right places. When I watch videos on anime and videos on other things, I don't see people referencing it a lot. Which is interesting because it's a Studio Bones show. And I did read an article, and this is what made me go watch it, where it said it was one of the best Studio Bones shows. But other than that, I don't really see anyone talk about it. So in my opinion, it is pretty underrated. And I think it's got a great story. I really liked seeing Renton's journey, the main character Renton and sort of meeting his heroes and seeing how they all have flaws and having his own personal growth and falling in love and having a relationship and seeing what what that relationship's like. I know on our previous episode I talked about his relationship with him and Eureka. There's just a lot about it that I like and I think that more people should definitely watch it. Another one is Science Fell in Love and I Tried to Prove It. You know, we... That's a we good mentioned one. this anime in one of our first episodes talking about anime we were excited to watch in 2020 and we watched it and it was totally worth it. It almost made my top 10 list. It was one of my favorites personally and I'm such an engineer and at the same time I fell in love pretty early on too so I totally get how that happens and how you can be nerdy and not understand what you're doing and man that has some really high quality moments of nerds not knowing what they're doing and the 
other characters in the show are great as well. So what's another one from you? Sounds of Life, seasons one and two. And it was just really heartwarming. It's a music anime, which I really enjoy music anime, pretty similarly to why I enjoy sports anime, just seeing them get better and then seeing it all culminate into a performance. And there's a lot of good characters in that, a lot of good chemistry with the characters. It was great seeing them grow together and seeing them grow personally. It was a really heartwarming show. And I loved the performances. And I loved also learning about the koto as an instrument because I had never known that it existed before. So it was interesting being introduced to something totally different. I know that you really enjoyed that when you were watching it. You always seemed like you had a great time. I definitely did. And it was one of the ones I watched very first in the beginning of this year. One of the ones I watched pretty early in the beginning of this year was, didn't I say to make my abilities average in the next life? I've not heard anybody talk about this at all, ever. But this one's interesting because it's an isekai, but the main character was overpowered in her previous life. And her only wish is that her abilities were average in the next life but she didn't realize is that the average is really skewed because the most powerful person in the world is 10 bajillion times more powerful than everyone else so if you take the average of everybody and this guy then you get halfway between everyone else and this super powerful being she's even more powerful than she was before when she thought she was being hated on for being so powerful in the previous life so you just have this person that's like no 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 i'm not powerful i promise i can't do anything i'm just normal meanwhile she's rich she's incredibly fast at learning abilities other people are trying to come up with a signature attack and she can do like a stronger version of that attack that they've trained for on the first try and she's just accidentally doing it and she's like oh no wait is that not normal i love that anime i wish more people talked about it it was really good so my next underrated one is run with the wind and i just really liked it it was just very good it's another one of those sports anime like like Haikyuu that just really explores the team aspect of running and explores their personal growth through running and it's not like these are a bunch of characters that really love running they all kind of are this ragtag group that was all brought together and it's just amazing seeing what they can achieve it was really inspiring I really loved seeing the growth throughout and I love seeing the payoff at the end of it so another one for me Seraph of the End Vampire Reign this one got very close to being a top anime to me but it sort of fell off toward the end of the anime but wow they just really nail it at the beginning the beginning is just amazing and then the middle continues to pay off if you like vampires being this really powerful thing I would totally check out Seraph of the End my next one is another music anime Kids on the Slope I really enjoyed it I thought it had some really good characters in it. It did not have an ending I expected, which I like. It's about these friends that played jazz together, and it really explores how you can share your emotions through music with each other. It was very emotional at times. There's a lot of feelings involved in their friendships and the paths that they each decide to take and how they navigate the relationship and the feelings of those relationships. So it was really interesting seeing them navigate through all of that, go through all of those things, and then also use music as a way to really express how they feel to each other so our last one can i agree that it's our last one here our last one is chio school School road Road. it's about all of her crazy happenstances that she encounters when she's walking to school each day it's just hysterical like what i was saying with cromarty high school how it's just so over the top and random 
and it would always surprise me with how random it was and how goofy things were mm-hmm. and the situation she would get herself in that were just so crazy. The thoughts that she has in her head when she's doing things are just note for note exactly what goes through my head when I'm walking around. I think about video games when I'm walking, thinking about how I don't want to talk to anybody. Oh my gosh, they're approaching me. How do I don't yeah, get out of the situation? But also, I like them. How do I make friends with them oh, so without making friends? <laughs> <laughs> How did we not bring that up? Uh, anyway, yeah, Chia's School Road is a gem. It definitely is. So next up is our waifu of the week, Mikasa Ackerman from Attack on Titan. I can do it. What? I'm strong. Real strong. None of you come close. You hear me? I am a warrior. It's hard not to start tearing up when you hear Mikasa talk sometimes because she's just so serious but at the same time you know that she's gone through so much and like everything she said just really is full of a lot of emotion yeah she's a very serious but passionate person and she's not necessarily the kind of character that's going to get everybody super motivated to do something but man when she says stuff like that when she gives speeches like that she puts a lot of emotion into it and there really aren't very many people who are as strong as her so when she says that in that monologue she's not wrong like she really is a warrior she is the one who a lot of times is gonna have to be the responsible one and take down some of these titans i mean yeah there's levi and of course there are a lot of other really good people on their team however it's no secret that mika says the coolest fiercest one right i mean her and levi are both the best yeah i feel like it's hard to ignore that level of skill it is pretty clear that she just completely outranks everybody in terms of skill except Levi who is pretty obviously more experienced but she doesn't just have skill she also has this crazy level of passion for the things that she wants and I feel like her will to protect totally outranks anybody else as well. Yeah her passion and desire to protect her man I mean that gets her pretty far. Alright, but hold on. Is Mikasa a yandere? What? No, I'm asking for real. So the reason I say that is that she really does act like the only thing important to her is Aaron a lot of the time. And she goes to great lengths to try to save him and like be near him. And she doesn't really seem to care about anything else but Aaron to the point where she's saying really crazy kind of stuff. That makes any sense. She doesn't really care about anything else. I'm doing this on my own. You're kidding. Aaron, I'm coming too. No way. I plan to follow you whether you give me permission to or not. I swear, I'll never leave your side. She's dedicated, man. She's loyal. Mm-hmm. She's not a yandere. It's not yandere? Nah, she's just loyal. I mean, don't get she me wrong. She made a promise. She said that she would protect Aaron, and so she is. That's true. She did make a promise. And you know what else? She cares a lot about Armin. She cares mm-hmm. about humanity. That's she's true. using her skills to save humanity. Just because she may or may not be in love with Aaron is not relevant. But she's not just in love. It seems like she's in love to the next level, above where it's reasonable. That's what I'm saying. Well, play the clip. So do your thing. Make good use of that inborn skill. Sir. Go save the man you love. It's not like that. We all know it is. We all know it is. (laughs) It's pretty obvious to everybody. 
But you know what? What I've grown to also appreciate about her as I've watched the seasons is she has some really cute moments where she gets shy. And I love those moments because she's so cool all the time. Like, I'm gonna kill a billion titans. I'm gonna jump around everywhere and do amazing feats of strength that no one would ever foresee. And then also someone mentions Aaron and they're like, we know you like him. And she'll get all shy. Like her cheeks will get all red. And she's like, what mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Aaron. It's all right. Don't screw this up by making it personal. We all get that you love him, but try not to act crazy. I, I was just... <laughs> <laughs> He's right. I feel like she does act a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> but Yeah, Levi's like, girl, you need to chill. I mean, wasn't that right after she was like... Yeah, but... I, I don't mean, know if that's crazy or just super loyal and passionate, right? She's just super loyal and passionate. She's not crazy. And besides, in the Attack on Titan world, don't you think people would be a little bit crazy? This world is cruel, but it's also... It's also beautiful. I believe in that scene she's remembering him giving her a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really cute. Okay, they don't have a lot to look for in that life, okay? Yeah. They don't have a lot to be happy about. So she's getting a scarf from Aaron, and that's what's made her happy. Leave her alone, okay? People be dying left and right in Attack on Titan world. But can we just say, she is really cool. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, she clearly trains super hard. The way that she battles is so crazily different. She's zooming all over the place, and she's so speedy and she's so naturally talented she just has that crazy ability and with how she fights it's almost as if she just has literally no fear it's all right i know to be careful that is not the right attitude to have you can't just be careful you have to be terrified have you ever seen me terrified of anything and we haven't other than when she loses Aaron. yeah she's terrified of losing Aaron and her other friends and terrified of seeing the titans destroy her world but also she is brave when others aren't i love the women in attack on titan i think they're all really great and i love that she's really showcased as one of the ones that is literally the strongest fighter she has a lot of natural skill and a lot of natural talent but she did really train hard to be as strong as she is and i feel like a lot of it is just sheer willpower to keep pressing forward i feel like she must either be the most simple character in attack on titan or the most complicated character because her motivations just seem so basic and willful she just is doing her job and she's doing it really well and you can always tell exactly what she wants in any given moment because she's always trying to protect somebody always thinking she can save the day and sometimes people have to stop her but if, if that's not really her motivation then she never really talks about what she's feeling she always acts based on how she's feeling and so like if that's not her motivation then she might be more complicated than we are understanding i think she wears her heart on her sleeve same i think the impulsivity is honest in the sense that it's what she really wants to do in that moment and she's gonna do whatever she thinks is right during the time where she told aaron she's gonna stay by his side despite orders right her number one goal is not to follow orders it's to protect her loved ones which to her is the best thing to do and in that too protecting humanity as a whole so i think she very much sees herself as a protector and 
does not want to ever be weak. If I can't beat them, then I die. But if I win, I live. And the only way to win is to fight. Yeah, she sees fighting as her only way to keep pressing forward to a future that she wants. And I don't think she's willing to give up on that future she wants. She just wants to keep pressing forward no matter what. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I'm really excited to see what kind of person she is in the upcoming season because we're recording this without having seen her in the final season of Attack on Titan but so far she's been the most persistent willpower <laughs> in the whole series the most uh consistently diligently trying to protect Aaron and protect the people she loves I agree and I think when others have lost hope or have lost faith in their mission she's been the one to consistently be like no we're gonna keep fighting I am not giving up. I think her ability to continuously press forward is what really does impress me about her the most and what helped her grow on me. I think she's had some really good character growth. I think she's learning that it's okay to have hope for the future because she's very much so a person that is in the present trying to do what she can to do her duty to beat the Titans to keep everyone safe. And I think that she's learning a little bit from Armin as things go that it is okay to dream a little bit and have hope for the future and think about what that might mean because I don't know if she really thought that she would have a future beyond just keeping Aaron alive and as the show progresses and there's a potential for that it's been interesting to see her maybe soften a little bit in some ways to the idea of what the future might bring and what a life without having to fight all the time for survival could be because she's actually kind of soft when she's not fiercely battling <laughs> yeah she she can definitely act that way in scenes where she suddenly feels affectionate she really does come off really soft and really loving in those moments even if that's not really what is on the outside most of the time yeah i can respect that normally when we do wife of the week i talk about their character designs and their outfits but in attack on titan most of the time they're all wearing the same thing but i will say out of all of them i feel like mikasa wear their uniform really well i feel like the scarf looks really cute on her nice little touch her hair is really rocking as well and i like the scarf because it shows that she's sentimental it shows her more vulnerable sensitive side because it's a scarf that aaron gave her when they were little and she's never gotten rid of it she's always kept it so what would you say are your top five things about Mikasa Ackerman? So number five is the appearance. I feel like she's very cool. I've seen some people cosplay Mikasa and they always look awesome. I always feel like, whoa, that's different. That's a different anime cosplay. Most anime cosplays are like these really cute girls, but then you got a Mikasa cosplay and the women are all like ripped and they're really beautiful and awesome. And I like the scarf and I like her hair. Just overall, I think that she stands out as as the really cool looking girl in the show she always looks really tough I guess that's more talking about her demeanor than her appearance but it's all kind of the same thing to me so my fourth favorite thing is her diligence and her training you can tell that she never really gives up on anything when it comes to trying to get better and better you see them going oh let's train harder but you know that she's already done all of her training for the day every single day because she's just always training and I can really uh, admire a work ethic like that it's always cool
cool to see somebody in a certain moment do something really powerful and do something really courageous but it's another thing to see somebody work at something every single day as hard as they can that amount of diligence and that amount of passion really is something admirable so my third favorite thing is the amount of passion she has i feel like a lot of the characters in the show don't really know what they want or they're just in the military for selfish reasons or they feel like they can get most of the way there but they need to be encouraged to reach all the way forward but mikasa never needs encouragement mikasa never needs anything mikasa always knows exactly what she wants and is able to ride on that level of passion in any moment and that leads me into the second favorite thing that i like about her which is her courage and her initiative i feel like in any given situation she has that kind of split second decision making ability that allows her to act right when something happens rather than take a moment to think about it mikasa before anybody has even figured out if it's a good idea or not is halfway toward attacking and somebody (laughs) has to stop her and i can really admire that about a person to be able to make split second decisions i don't really admire the fact that sometimes she makes the wrong choice but i do admire when people have the faith in themselves to act and i think that's awesome and then my top number one favorite thing is the obvious thing which is that she fights real good I feel like it's hard to explain (laughs) that she fights real good, but like when you watch her fight you'll understand just the way that she zips through the air and slices her foes where other people would have taken like a whole minute to get the titan in position and then zip in the right places and distract the titan here mikasa's already killed the titan in that amount of time i think that watching her fight is probably one of the two favorite things about attack on titan in general my top five favorite things that i like about mikasa in no particular order i love her bravery. I'm always impressed by how in the face of danger, she isn't terrified, which sure, there are plenty of things you should be terrified of. And there are things that she is indeed terrified of. But most of the time she's brave. And I really admire that. I've always really admired brave characters. And I think in their world in particular, you just have to be brave or you won't survive. If you try to run away instead of facing your fear, it's just not going to work out for you long term. And I appreciate how brave she is despite having to deal with all of these extremely terrifying situations. Another thing I really like about her is her perseverance. Yes, I do think that she can be a bit reckless at times in pursuit of her goals, but I really like characters who persevere towards the goals that they want, and she's also very resilient. That's another thing that I like about her. She continues moving forward, even though she's gone through lots of things that could easily have gone the other way. She could have easily chosen to not persevere, chosen to not be brave, chosen to not be resilient, but no matter what, she still is, and I really like that about her. I like that she can continuously chooses to keep moving forward towards the goal that she wants, which is to protect her friends, to protect the ones she loves, to to protect humanity with the skills that she's been given. The fourth thing that I really like about her, she gets a little shy sometimes. I think it's very endearing just because she's so serious normally that those few moments in between I think are fun. 
Number one, like you were saying, oh my gosh, she is just so cool. There are moments where I have watched that show where I have just been in awe of her abilities. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's jumping over here. She sliced that Titan's neck. Now she's jumping over there. How'd she get over there so quickly? I don't know. But now she's killing five Titans in a row. She's just so exciting to watch fight. Her ferocity and passion all mix into one, just make for some really cool fighting. And that's what I love about her too, is her fierceness and passion are part of what makes her just so cool. I could watch her fight and I think that would be fine for me. I would miss everybody else in the anime, <laughs> but like, I think it'd still be worth it to watch if no one else was there except Mikasa and yeah, she was just fighting same. Titans. I'd be down for it. I'm just thankful that the show has her in it because she's so cool. I love watching really strong women in anime. Same. And I love watching them fight in anime. And she's one of the strongest that I've seen recently. Can't wait to keep watching yeah, more of you. Yeah, can't wait to see you in the next season, the final season. Speaking of the final season, let's talk about some things we've been watching recently. In this next part, we're going to talk about anime we've been watching recently, like Fruits Basket Season 2, Attack on Titan, the final season, ReZero Season 2, and more. So if you're worried about spoilers, check the show notes and you can skip right to the part you want to listen to. You've been watching The Millionaire Detective Spiral. I How have. is it? Episode 7 through nine it's been really good it's gotten super serious oh really i really did not expect that from this anime i mean i know it had taken turns before in previous it's been times progressively getting it. more serious remember how last time i had said that lady's card blown up didn't, and she didn't died? he like get lost at one point and like have nothing and that was a goofy episode yeah yeah what so, has happened since i don't this? know ever since then like two podcasts ago i was like yeah it's like a slice of life anime it was great there's like a dog that that was like episode four or so and ever mm-hmm. since then it's just been like crashing down into serious town i mean mm-hmm. their boss i believe died he got murdered by this guy who i think is kanbei's dad and it's possible that kanbei's dad killed his mom and that's what their boss has been trying to find out this whole time what happened to kanbei's parents and what's been going on with why kanbei can't get certain information like why has that been hidden from him kanbei joins the detective agency because he wants to find out who killed his mom too because they were a little suspicious of him for doing some things wrong and then they found out it wasn't him it's whoever this other person is and it looks like it's going to be kanbei's dad who they thought was dead seems to me like maybe he faked his death and his grandma seems to be in on the whole thing i I don't know man but i watched the one episode and i was like oh there's no way these two are dead and then literally we go to the next episode after and they are dead i was like this show is really going this far huh so i'm still kind of in that arc where we just are learning that kanbei's dad might be the person responsible i believe that is what's going to end up being the case but we're still not totally sure so that's where i'm at with that right now these people have died they're suspecting kanbei's dad to be a part of this whole thing i still I don't really understand yet what his motives are or were. I don't know if it has to do with their business or what but it's it's very interesting and I'm excited to see what Kanbei does when he finds out all of this and he's being a little rude towards Haru he's like I don't need you anymore I'm going to figure this out on my own this is personal and I'm like whatever you y'all know you need each other you know I'm really excited to see what happens there's only a couple more episodes left 
All right, next up, we also finished Uzuki-chan Wants to Hang Out. And I said that was one of my favorite anime. <laughs> 2020, kind of crazy. I like Uzuki-chan. Their relationship is funny. I mean, they have undeniable chemistry in that show. <laughs> and they're always messing with each other. And it's so cute. And I mean, it was a little annoying at times how much everyone was caring and paying yeah, attention the world to their revolves around them. But like, eventually, you just sort of get used to that. But at the same time, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. their relationship is super cute so i mean people should pay attention i think it was just one of those cute fun easy anime to watch made me laugh the best part is their relationship and i like how it grows over time same i really wish there would have been a love confession but there's gonna be a season two i feel like this was pretty frustrating because all we really got is that Sakurai wanted to hang out. Which is a big step for him, okay? <laughs> Sakurai did not seem to really want to hang out very often. Yeah. Although, I don't know, he started asking her to go places and she would be like, hey, want to do this? And he wouldn't say no. I don't know. He, he would say no a lot, I feel like. I feel like that's really the premise of the show. I mean, towards the beginning. The only times he really asks early on to go hang out is when he, he wants to see cats. <laughs> Yeah, but he thought to ask her. But he doesn't have any other friends. Yeah, he does. He has Just that... that one guy. Do they ever even hang out after that one I honestly time? didn't even see him hang out with that guy other than like maybe they were in the hallway waiting for class or they something. They went to lunch in that one episode and I think that's it. He hangs out with Uzuki more than anyone else for sure though. Basically yeah. lives with her. Why doesn't she just move in? They're not dating and he doesn't really want her around that much. Maybe that'll be the next season. Next season, maybe. Uzuki-chan wants to move in. Maybe after they get married? Hmm? Uzuki-chan wants to get married. It'll just keep escalating. Uzuki-chan wants to keep hanging out. <laughs> Uzuki-chan wants to move into Uzuki a retirement home. Uzuki-chan won't leave. <laughs> Uzuki-chan wants to get a house in Florida to retire to. Uzuki-chan's kids want to hang out. <laughs> They're also my kids. They're... <laughs> I need to stop calling her Chan. Uziki Chan wants to have grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> that are your grandkids too. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll just slowly escalate. Yeah, yeah, we'll be up to like season 50. Uziki Chan wants to buy matching grave plots. No! <laughs> I don't know. Uziki Chan wants to look for haunting locations. <laughs> I think they actually did that one of the last few episodes. Really? Or they go around and be like, we'd haunt this no, place? No, they like look at uh, supernatural stuff. Oh yeah, they did do that. And they looked at that Funko Pop. No, 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 no. Why did I even Nenderites. say that? They looked they at Nenderites. They went Nenderoid. to the Nenderoid place. That I was lit. I want to go there. How do I get to the Nenderoid town? Yeah, I want to go to the Nenderoid town. Yeah, that's and we're a couple, so we'd be fine there. When we go to Japan, our stops need to be Super Nintendo World, the town that Kaon is based off of, and the Nendoroid factory. I'm down. Let's go. So you watched Kenichi the Mightiest Disciple? I did. Episodes 1 through 23? I did. I have some mixed feelings about it. Okay, listen. There's a lot of cool fighting. It's such a typical shonen, which I love, where he trains and then he does fight scenes and they pay off. And I love street fighting delinquent type stuff. And poor Kenichi, he's just trying to live his life. He's kind of a coward and then he just wants to get braver and stronger. And so he does and he practices and it pays off all the time. But all these street punks keep coming after him because they keep trying to challenge him because they heard he's strong and he keeps beating them. And I love 
love all of that part, and I love all the characters at the dojo that he trains with. They're all unique and really goofy, and I just like how they, like, make him suffer through his really hardcore training. (laughs) (laughs) And one of them is like, do you know why legs are stronger than arms? Because you walk on them, that's why, so walk on your hands! And you see him holding his legs, and he's walking on his arms as part of his training, and then he's doing sit-ups underneath fire. They have him up on this bar doing sit-ups on top of the bar while there's fire underneath him, so if he slacks off, he'll get burnt. It's all hardcore training, and it's really fun to watch. However, I hate how they treat the female characters in this show. Although, that one female character you were showing me seems like a really awesome, really cool, like, fighter. Well, what bothers me is you have this lady who's in charge of this gang called Ragnarok. And she's supposed to be, like, the toughest one. And then she comes to fight Kenichi, and he's like, oh, I don't fight girls. And so Miyu, who's the main girl on the show, who is way tougher than Kenichi, fights her for him and wins. And she's really cool when she does it. But the thing that I don't like is they like constantly do fan service stuff with her. Right. And it's just to the point where it's so annoying. And I feel like it just creates this really weird dynamic where she's way tougher than Kenichi. But they keep setting it up sometimes where he's defending her and protecting her. But then she protects him a lot. But I just feel like when you do all this weird fan service stuff with her it just makes me uncomfortable i just feel uncomfortable with how often it happens it's like every episode there's some weird being in service type yeah that's thing. what bothers me from what i've seen although i do feel like for how old it is i do like how they are playful with the gender roles a little bit there where they're like he's protecting her from the big boss and then they zoom out and she's beaten <laughs> every other person and she's like oh well i forgot to save some for you yeah i do love that i do love that that. that's really funny to me but like and that's what i like about her i feel like she's such a cool character and if they just stopped doing all that weird stuff with her she would be even better and i'm not saying like she can be a beautiful attractive love interest character without being constantly fan serviced all the time i just feel like it takes away from her character's coolness because i actually yeah really like her character and think she's a good character but you know what she kicks butt constantly that's true she's graceful and amazing and if you do treat her poorly she'll kick your butt it cracks me up when she's like man i almost forgot to hold back i could have killed this person (laughs) (laughs) like when she fights the ragnarok lady i don't like how kenichi says he's not gonna fight girls i'm watching yu haga show with my friend right now and i just love yusuke when he's like i don't care who i'm fighting i don't care if it's a baby a girl or my grandma (laughs) or whatever he says and i'm like yeah kenichi come on dude just fight whoever the girl in ragnarok was even like that's sexist when he said he doesn't fight girls and Miu was like wait a minute you and i fight you don't think i'm a girl So I'm enjoying it, but there are things I don't like about it. Like, I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it. But you had fun. You enjoyed it for being a nothing anime. I have fun watching it. I do. It's true. So next up, we've been watching ReZero Season 2, Episode 5 and 6. It started to feel like the first season again, where he has to redo things over and over again with disastrous consequences. But I will admit, I would feel a lot more like there was a lot at stake if we could see Rem. Where's Rem? Who's Rem? (laughs) I saw this post on Instagram that was like, Rem or Ram? And somebody in the comments was like, who's Rem? (laughs) 
I feel like that's one of the most recognizable anime really sound bites of all time. It really is. I really miss Rem. But seriously, who's Rem in this episode? Where is she? I know that she's supposed to be in her bed just sitting there, so there's not much they can show. But like, how come they're not showing her? I want to see her. I kind of feel like Ram is not that interesting of a character by herself. What? I feel like she's been growing on me a little bit. I she's guess. sassy. She is. I like the sass. She's sassy, but I like it in small doses. She's funny when she's with Rem, but by herself, that's not doing it for me. I was surprised out of nowhere that the witch lady just invaded their mansion and then Petra got murdered in cold blood. Yeah, that was terrible. And everybody else got murdered. But then she revealed that she's timing the attack when Subaru gets back. So I wonder if Subaru can revive if he can just not come back. Maybe they'll just do it anyway, but I don't know. And then at the end, Beatrice saves him. Yeah, that was crazy. But here's my thing. I've always suspected Beatrice to have lots of secrets. And I think that she does have a lot of secrets. And I think we're going to find out this season what those secrets are. Ooh. Do you think she's good or bad? I kind of think she's bad. I don't think she's bad. I think that she is neither good nor bad. I think that she just happens to align herself with the good guys right now. Interesting. So you think she's neutral? Yeah, I think that maybe the witches in general might be somewhat neutral, but some witches are obviously bad. You think Beatrice is a witch? That's what I was hinting at. Maybe she might be one of the witches because she does seem really powerful. She does. I've always wondered why Beatrice was there in the first place. Who is she? What is she up to? She's so mysterious. I like her though. I I like like her her and I like her like magic library thing. I have to admit it has been a little hard for me to care about this season for some reason but I think it's getting good. I think it's picking up now. I'm really excited about their main quest but anytime that they're not going into that place and trying to free the sanctuary I'm not about it. I'm bored. Whenever it doesn't have to do with Rem I'm like okay but like when are we gonna help Rem? When are they gonna find the Witch of Greed and save Rem? I don't know. I thought that this would happen a lot earlier on. I guess I thought that they would get that over with but maybe they're not so you also watched akudama drive episode one i did i have been really hyped for akudama drive and i want to know what you thought of it you'll have to bear with me because i did watch this while i was doing dishes (laughs) (laughs) so well then just give me your vibes you don't have to like explain yeah here's my vibes there are akudamas they drive and there's the main there's a girl oh they don't drive well, one of them drives a motorcycle. One of them drives and they're Akudama. There's like this cast of characters where one's like a hacker dude. One's this cool guy on a bike. One's this really scary dominatrix doctor lady who I'm really kind of afraid of, honestly. I think you might like her. Then there's this hacker dude. And then there's this really strong dude. And I feel like I'm missing somebody. But anyway, then there's the main girl. And the main girl is just trying to live her best life. The dude on the motorcycle gave her her money when she didn't have enough at this restaurant and then she's trying to give him the money back and they wouldn't take her money that she did have or whatever and she ends up getting charged for stealing because they said she was trying to steal because she already had money in her hand but it was the money she's going to give back to this guy it's all very complicated anyway she tricks the akudama into making them think that she's an akudama Oh, there is one more person I'm missing. He gets broken out of jail and he's literally called like the delinquent or something. Like they all have these little titles of what they each are and he gets broken out of jail. They're trying in the first episode to break this one dude out of jail and that's their mission and whoever does it first gets money or something. I don't know. 
Anyway, she just happens to be where they are because she's just trying to give this dude back his money and she tricks them into believing that she's in Akudama and that she has powers so they don't kill her. And anyway, the very end, she's trying to save this cat from this whole mess, right? And guess right. what? Right, the cat dies? No, oh. the cat is the one who called them there in the first place. What? Yeah, I was like, something's happening with this cat because they're spending a lot of time on her saving this cat, moving the cat out of the way, all sorts of stuff. And the cat pops out, becomes like a person and the cat's like, oh, I called you all here today for this mission. I'm like, dang. I don't know if I'm about it if there's a cat. Yeah, but it's not like that. It's like a cool cat, not like a weird cat. It's a cool cat. (laughs) (laughs) And he's not like a cat. He's like a... It sounds like Animorphs or (laughs) Beastars. No, no, no. It's not like that. It's just a cat and he becomes a person. I don't know how much that's going to happen, but second episode is out. I need to watch it. I'm excited to watch it. I expect that this will be pretty good. I've seen some people say that it's one of the better anime of 2020, so I'm hoping to keep seeing some good stuff from it. So I feel like the anime that surprised me the most in terms of how good it was, was The Great Pretender. Season two, the second half? No, just in general. Like the whole thing. We're done with the full thing now of what's on netflix in 2020 so wow it was really good the second half took a turn did neither of us put that anime in our top 10 list i didn't i didn't either how in the world did that not happen because it's a really good anime i don't know i think we just watched so much good stuff this year yeah no kidding too bad it came out in 2020 otherwise it would totally be in my top like it's one of my favorite anime of all time definitely yeah it was great the second part was so good i didn't expect it to be all about the same con and i really did believe that makoto was turning evil and him and laurent and his dad that his dad killed him in the final ki- episode that he killed his dad Oh, and then that his dad killed him? They both killed each other. Yeah, that was crazy. And yet they both didn't. Think about it. Him killing his dad wasn't part of the con? No! He genuinely thought he killed his dad. Well, no, him killing his dad was part of the con. But not on his side. No. He didn't know. He genuinely thought that he killed his dad. And then him snapping at his dad at the end and then almost killing his dad again. But then his dad pretends to kill him also wasn't part of the con. But then like was improvised. It's crazy because I keep wondering like what's part of the con here? Was his birth part of the con? I think so. Like what what is up with Makoto in being a part of the con? Honestly, I'm fully ready for his mom to come out and be like, that's right. I was part of the con (laughs) this whole time. You thought I died, but that was just so that you would be able to devote your entire life toward cons. Same. Honestly, the fact that they built that whole hotel on an island. Yeah, that was crazy. I still don't believe that. That's too much. No, I loved that part. I know you were like, what? Come on. But I loved it. I loved it so much. Everything can't be a con. It is. Okay, okay, hold on. Let me explain why I think that's so crazy. First of all, you got to build the whole building. That's crazy. No, they Second just made it all, like cardboard in the back. Second of all, they had to drug everybody who would be there, take them to the hotel, convince them that they were in the actual hotel, and make sure that nobody leaves during the point that the con was going to happen, so that both parties would walk in and feel like they were there naturally. And a lot of the people live in this hotel. I feel like you would notice. 
I don't know, man. They repainted, remember? They did repaint, but I feel like you would notice. I loved it. I love when it collapses down and they're just sitting there. All these like really bad thugs that were like going to fight each other to the death. And then they're just like now sitting around a campfire, like eating berries from the island. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of the people who screwed them over throughout the season that they screwed over to were like playing poker together on the yacht. And then the rest of them were stuck on the island. That was hilarious. It was. But I really was not sure for a while. I'm like, is Makoto actually turning bad? Because I would understand if he did. His father was this guy that he found out to be doing all this bad stuff. And then that was all part of a con. But he screwed his life over just for one last con that they didn't even have to do at all. Literally, they were all four going to go their separate ways. And it was going to be just fine. And then they decided to do this con. And then we find out Laurent's lady friend is still alive at the end. I had a feeling that that was the case. That was also kind of like what's going on. I don't understand why they decided to bring her back to life. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like she conned Laurent. Also, what are the odds that he throws the (laughs) ring off the boat and then where she's staying at, she somehow gets it? Yeah. Is that all part of the What are the the chances that as she falls off, the ring falls on the boat, and then as he throws the ring, she somehow ends up with it? That's fate right there. It was so good. The things that they did and coordinated were just amazing. I love the art style. I love the characters. I really loved finding out about Laurent's backstory. He was the only one we didn't really know anything about yet in terms of his backstory. And it was really nice seeing more. I did want there to be like a little bit more to the story than just that he was a part of the group with Makoto's dad, which I did not see that coming. I really did not see that coming where he was working with Makoto's dad. And then they did the same con. Right. The exact same con with like the same people, basically. Oh my gosh. It is insane. They have guts, let me tell you. I loved that second half. The first half was great, but the second half definitely did not disappoint. It kept me on my toes the whole time. What was the part that you were most unsure about in terms of the cons? Which one fooled you the most? The last one. Yeah? I really wasn't sure because I really thought that maybe he was angry enough at Laurent and his dad to really pull something on them. I really thought that. I don't know, man. I thought he was conning them. I thought that's what it was. He was conning them. No, because he was in on their con too. Yeah, but it seemed like there were things that they didn't anticipate. Like they didn't know that they had the sword until the last second and he pulled the sword on them. Well, his dad had blood packets in his coat or whatever. No, he had blood packets in his coat. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's just so much, so many layers. I just think once he started yelling at the poor kids that were being sold. I don't think Makoto was part of that part of the con. I think he... Oh, wait, no, he had to have been. He knew that they were being... Well, did he? Because his dad died, and then he... So did he realize that they were selling kids to the people that were a part of their con, too? I don't know if he knew that. He was told that later by his dad. No, he had to have been part of the con somewhat, because at one point, there are people who are, like, gangsters that come in and fight the police. Right. What exactly is the deal with that? If this whole con is that they set this whole thing up, I guess they were trying to create enough panic that the people were just happy to get out alive. I but think I they feel were just like creating a lot of confusion. I feel like once they got the police stuff, they could have just pieced out. 
I don't know, man. That's why I was confused. I'm like, Makoto, what you doing? You have your own group now that's going to come in? Why wouldn't they have just created an elevator out of the hotel hallway, grabbed all of the important stuff, ran out of the room, and just left? Why would they do all this stuff where they hold up the hold up and they like do a shootout with the police between the police and the mafia or whoever that was? It was just bananas. All I know is that I was genuinely like worried Makoto had lost it because he had a right to be crazy with what all the stuff that they put them through. Yeah, it would have had to have been planned by Makoto as well maybe some of it was improvised but he had to have been in on it he was no he was definitely in on that whole thing they show that scenes where he's in on it oh okay i forgot remember the part where they like open the doors and he sees laurent he flips him off yeah but also is that indicate that he's in on it or does that indicate that he's flipping off no yeah he's in on it because he can see he makes like a goofy face face at laurent too he like sticks his tongue out at him it indicates that he was in on it his dad told him the whole thing remember his dad comes after he thought he'd killed him and he tells him the whole thing in the plans but then he's like well let's get back at laurent i don't remember that but yeah, he, d- he said he wants to pull one over laurent and doesn't I th- he i think he does pull one over on laurent but it's all part of the scheme i guess and i feel like i didn't was fully La- understand Wait, okay hold on was laurent one of the people who was not in on the full plan maybe he Man, wasn't no wonder we liked this because i have no clue how the whole thing works <laughs> all i know is that it doesn't make sense that they would kidnap people and bring them into a hotel like that We still are puzzled by it, which I like that. I like to not fully know or understand what happened. And I don't think that's saying that the show did a bad job explaining it. I think that's just like... No, I understand what happened in the con. I just don't remember who was in on it and who was partially informed. I think Makoto was partially in on some of it. And I think Laurent was partially in on some of it because Makoto bamboozled him a little. Yeah, it seems like his dad wasn't especially more in on it than Laurent, though. It seemed like he didn't know that the pack was there, that the blood pack was he there. He must have. Well, he, he no, noticed no, no. it. He noticed it. He noticed it. Yeah, and then that's why he stabbed so him. So if he was fully in on it, he would have known about it. Oh, you're right. So you're right. Makoto is the one that's the most in on it, right? I guess. I guess. I don't know. It's just bizarre. So what's our next one that we watched? You've been watching Jujutsu Kaisen episode one through four. What do you think? Okay, I love it. I love it. At first I was like, all right, what's this whole thing about? I keep hearing great things about it. And it's so good. Basically, it's about this guy, Itadori, who is super strong naturally anyway. And then he ends up eating a curse to protect his friends, basically. like Yeah, I, I saw that. His that friends was crazy. in this club accidentally get a hold of this cursed object. It's like this curse's finger, this really bad curse guy's finger. And so he ends up eating part of it. And he's unique in the sense that most people can't control it. It's kind of like the Greed Ling situation in Full Metal Alchemist brotherhood where he can control greed and switch back and forth between the two of them he can do the same thing and sakuna is the guy that's like inside of him and basically they're like all right you're gonna help us find and get a hold of all of the parts of sakuna and then we're gonna kill you as the host so they're like basically saying he's gonna die everyone keeps comparing satoru to kakashi yeah because he's like the anti-kakashi where his mask covers (laughs) his eyes whereas kakashi's mask covers his forehead and his mouth yeah and he's a lot more goofy and like oh no uh satoru do you remember kakashi 
He's super goofy. What yeah, are you talking about? Yeah, but he's about? like more goofy. He's just like really in your face kind of goofy. I really love him. I am so excited to keep watching more. Every time I see there's a new episode out, I get so ready to watch it. And I really like Itadori as a main character. People keep comparing it to Naruto for other reasons too. It is a little bit like Naruto in the sense that there's Itadori who's this kind of like, I want to protect my friends kind of Naruto-esque MC. And then there's another character who's a lot like Sasuke. And then there's the girl character who's like a tough, really strong, smart girl, kind of like Sakura. I do see similarities when people talk about them. Other than some of the dynamics, I think they're very different. I mean, they go into different places and try to stop curses and they're training right now to kind of work towards being able to stop bigger curses and learn how to control their powers. So they're still in school for training. And I thought the fights are really cool. I think the concepts are really interesting. I like stuff about curses. Like I like stuff about fighting the supernatural. I'm excited to see what's coming up because Sukuna, the bad guy that he's hosting in his body, just took over and fought this creature that Itadori was really struggling to beat. And he was just like, whatever, I'm just going to easily kill you. Like, it was crazy. The battle was insane. I'm like, dude, Sukuna's so crazy strong. And I cannot wait to see more. And Itadori and Sukuna don't switch back. Really? I mean, I know that he is going to switch back, I think. But you think? I mean, I hope. And it's insane because Itadori's hand got chopped off. His fingers, like a bunch of the tips had been cut off. He was not in good health there. And then he switches with Sukuna and Sukuna just grows back his hand and he's like man I didn't mean to heal his fingers (laughs) he's like I didn't mean to fix his other hand too I'm like oh Sakuna so I just cannot wait to see more and I understand why people keep saying that it's one of the best anime of 2020 because I think it is so far I have to agree with what I've seen so far so I finished Gabriel Dropout how was that it was awesome. I'm sad that I didn't add it to my top 10. I chose Umaru-chan instead, but it has a very similar vibe where the main character is this really nice, pretty girl, and then all of a sudden she is tainted by the world and she becomes not so nice. And the general idea of it is that the angels all act very mean, whereas the demons are not super mean. They're actually pretty nice and it's just Satania keeps on trying to act mean but she can't because she's too foolish but the way it ends up I really enjoyed she is supposed to be acting nice but she has a wake-up call at the end because she's basically a fallen angel at that point her halo is completely black and she gets visited by her sister and she has one day to prepare and her sister is one of the most powerful beings in the whole world because she's so pure and so heavenly and so she gets visited by her sister and she has to like fool her sister into believing that she's not a little gremlin basically and basically it's just shenanigans the entire time and I think the funniest part is Gabriel is just sort of lazy and selfish but there's this other angel named Raphael she's super sadistic and the thing is that she comes off as you know those women that only really care about appearances and like basically they're always smiling and they're really great hosts and that kind of stuff and they always have a really good face and they're always really graceful she's definitely that kind of girl but then whenever she sees satania trying to do something crazy she's always right there to support in huge air quotes support her (laughs) and by that laugh at her while she's failing horribly i really enjoyed it it definitely was my kind of anime had a cat 
cast of really strong characters that I'm never going to forget. And it made a really strong impression with me. I wish there was a season two. I don't think there is. But So I also watched Legend of the Galactic Heroes episodes 19 and 20. So nothing I hadn't seen yet in Dainuithis. Seems to me like Dainuithis really has stayed pretty true to a lot of the things that have happened in the original. But in the original, it kind of comes out of nowhere that Green Hill has decided to lead a coup. And Green Hill's daughter is on Yang's team. And she was so surprised when she found that out. And she was worried about her job. And Yang's just like, nah, you're not your dad. It was a lot more dramatic in Dainuithis, I have to say. But in this one, it's like they're all just chilling, sitting down, like watching the news. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, crap. Green Hill decided to make a coup happen. And so it's really interesting because I feel like the beginning of the series is really focused on the fighting between Lohengrom's side and between Yang's side. And then they start infighting on both sides at the same time. Like now Yang's side is doing infighting while Lohengrom's side is doing infighting. In the next episode, Lohengrom's team is doing some fighting. And you see Oberstein, who is a very big tactician, who Kirscheis, who is Lohengrom's right-hand man, doesn't really try trust. And I agree. I don't trust him either. He concocts this plan where they basically use this guy who's threatening Lohengrom, who's trying to threaten his family, the nobility, because they're on opposing nobility sides. He just thinks Lohengrom's a brat who's just like snuck in and doesn't deserve it. And he's this like big warrior guy who just defeats everybody in this mech thing that he has. So everybody in his squad, they kill except him. They keep him alive and they send him back to his commanders and they only kept him alive because he was a war hero and this was Oberstein's idea. They kept him alive so that when he went back to his leaders they would think he betrayed them and got in with Lohengrom that somehow he agreed to be a spy for Lohengrom to keep his life for money or whatever which he didn't do. He never agreed to do but they thought that and then they killed him because he fought back. He got pissed when they implied that. He started fighting and then they end up killing him and now he doesn't die as a hero. He dies as a traitor. And so now within all that grouping, it is going to create distrust because if a hero, a big hero on their team could become a traitor, who else could be? Right. Right. That was so smart of Overdeen to keep him alive because Lohengrom was like, screw you. I want to kill you because he started talking crap about his sister. And the best way to make Lohengrom want to kill you is to start talking crap about his sister. But Overdeen was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to kill him. We're going to use him. And it worked out perfectly. Just the the way they wanted. And that's one of the things that I love about Legend of the Galactic Heroes. I love all the strategy that goes on with so many different decisions. It's not just one war tactic here and there. They're all playing the long game. And it's really interesting to see. And I just can't wait to watch more. I can't wait till I get to the part that's past what Dianuithis covered because I want to know stuff. I want to know what happens, man. I want to get information. Need answers. Who's going to win this war? Anybody? I don't know. Maybe no one. It's been going on for a long time. So we'll see. So we also watched Fruits Basket Season 2, Episode 16. Yeah, it was pretty dramatic. Yeah, for real. Momiji and his sister. Oh my god. That, that was so story cute. is so sad. And then Toru, Momiji's playing violin and then Toru comes in and like spills her guts about his sister has been watching him and she just falls over dramatically. <laughs> Starts like crying. sobbing on the ground. And it's like, 
one day you'll be normal. And he's like, one day I'll play violin in front of my sister and my parents. Which, and why does he even want to invite his parents? They're so rude to him. He's just a boy that has dreams. I know. And it is emotional. I feel like it was a little dramatic, but... It was too dramatic. It was too <laughs> Like, much. I am all about Fruits Basket and about Toru, but this has gotten too much. It was a little bit overly emotional. Scene. But at the same time, when Momiji's sister was like, I've always wanted a big brother. Can you ask him if he'll be my big brother? I started violin he, just for him. He is her big brother. And then he had to stop violin because she wanted to play violin just like him. And then his dad's like, or mom or whoever was like, you can't play violin no more and you can't get lessons because she wants lessons. I'm like, this is so sad. And then she talks to the one Soma who her friend liked. Yeah, the whole episode was looking for him. Yeah, and she finds him. And honestly, I want them to be in love. I feel like her friend deserves it. Yeah, and I was joking like she was going to say, well, even if you don't think about it now, maybe you're thinking about it tomorrow or the next day or the day after that and she or in a week or in a year or in two years says or that. five years or in <laughs> ten years. And she literally goes through all of the list of things exactly like yeah, I was joking. She's like, maybe when you're on your deathbed or in the next century, in the next life. Or maybe... Maybe when you've been reincarnated. There's a lot there. I like the ending where Kyo and her sit on the roof together. It's very mm-hmm. cute. I feel like this has been a very emotional season and I need something like nice to happen. Agreed. So next up, I also watched Bofuri episode one and two. That's I don't want to get hurt. So I'll max out my defense. And the first episode, I totally related to it because if you've ever played a game that has a lot of leveling in it, a lot of times you and your friend can't play at the same time. And what happens is, so her friend is really hyped for this new game that's about to come out and she goes ahead and gets a VR system and gets the game to play with her friend but her friend failed her tests and had to retake them and her parents said she wasn't allowed to play video games until she retook them and passed so basically this girl who doesn't care about video games at all starts playing this VR game for her friend to like get used to it who can't play the game at all but she doesn't know anything about video games her name's Maple and Maple she doesn't know about video games and then her friend Sally failed her test and Maple she starts playing this game and she starts just really enjoying it but again she doesn't want to get hurt so all she does is go okay well I'll just put all of my stats in defense and not put anything in any other stat Mm -hmm. so she like moves extremely slow she can barely get around at all but when she gets attacked she can barely get hurt and when you get attacked in this game you level up a little bit in that area and whatever attacked Mm -hmm. you you become more resistant to it and so basically she just goes and the forest and falls asleep okay and then things just attack her all night and then she levels up like crazy and by doing nothing she becomes extremely powerful (laughs) and is able to face like a super exclusive dungeon by herself by just standing there wow (laughs) and then she gets this really powerful armor and shield that allows her to continue just standing there and anytime somebody attacks from too far away she also has taken on the attributes of the dragon which allow her to spawn a dragon mid-fight and spray everybody with poison and then she can just stand there while they get poisoned to death and so she just accidentally becomes basically a clan leader 
later final boss character in this anime in the first episode and then her friend gets on in the second episode and she's like what the heck happened how did you do this and she's just like i don't know i built my character wrong i'm sorry but she's like super powerful and so her friend is like okay well i'm gonna like build my character super intelligently but put everything i have into speed so i'm like a glass cannon but i dodge all the attacks maple will take on all the attacks and then sally will never take damage so she dodges all the attacks and so basically sally just runs around with maple on her back carrying her around everywhere because maple can barely move it's just been really entertaining so far watching them now sally cleared some exclusive content and also has some cool armor it's really funny watching everybody react to this girl who's doing nothing it kind of reminds me of kirby and like kirby is this ultra powerful being that just like waltzes through places and like doesn't really care and is just super carefree (laughs) and fun and then he just bumps into things and absorb their powers and then suddenly he gets more powerful by absorbing other things powers and that's almost kind of what she does she kills things almost by accident and then takes all of their powers and uses it on everybody else and it's hilarious this mmo is particularly entertaining because it seems so contrived to be specifically useful to her i guess when you get hit you gain things rather than just taking damage typically in video games you want to punish characters for getting hit but in this one you gain skills by getting hit maybe i just don't understand all of the other ways that you can gain skills and so actually it's pretty limited what you can do by getting hit a lot just seems silly from a game design perspective Maybe you'll learn more. as Yes, I'm excited to watch more of it because it's been really funny so far and the character designs are really cute. So last but certainly not least, we watched Attack on Titan Season 4, Episodes 1 and 2. Episodes 1 and 2. And we're going to watch Episode 3 later today. Yeah, we're excited. So that was crazy. It was crazy. The first episode was crazy. We don't know. I keep seeing all of these memes about the anime-only people versus the manga people in terms of what's happening happening in season four right now and yeah i am thoroughly confused i'm enjoying it so far i mean we are anime only people we are i'm really enjoying seeing how mappa has designed everything and how it took over i thought it was so cool when they launched down all those titans from the ship in the first episode and then learning that zeke is aaron's brother his half brother yeah that's pretty crazy which is what i had guessed anyway i mean they kind of make that pretty clear at the end of season three but it was nice to hear it confirmed yeah to be a hundred percent and it's very interesting the concept that they're trying to figure out who should be the next titans and just in general the introduction of the new kids that first of all what else do you expect from the final season of an anime i feel like they always do this it's always either the final season has a new set of kids or there's a spinoff with a set of kids it's always one of the two it means that they're trying to do a attack on titan final season and then titan on attack spinoff <laughs> of Attack on Titan Next Generation. See, that's not how I'm viewing it. No? I'm viewing it as they're showing you what's on the other side of the wall. They're trying to get you to understand where the history of what our group of people comes from. How screwed up this whole thing has gotten for everybody involved and why things are the way that they are. And they're trying to humanize the other side. That's what this whole show has been doing since season two is trying to humanize all of the different sides, I feel like. 
it has consistently started to become grayer and grayer over time as to who exactly is the bad guys. And I think this is just another example of it doing that. Another thing I found interesting was Reiner's whole thing where he was talking about how much he hated it there, hated being there, and how it was horrible the whole time with his family. But I don't believe him. I don't believe he actually felt that way. I think his feelings were more complicated than that. I definitely feel like he's putting it on a little bit. Another thing I found really interesting was that Zeke does not seem to know that his mom was of royal blood. Because he had said, well, I'm not royalty or whatever. And I'm like, wait a minute, he doesn't know? Honestly, though, I have to admit, I'm like, okay, this has been interesting and all. But like, where's Aaron, Levi, Mikasa, and Armin and yeah, Sasha. Yeah, that's also how I feel. And Jean They and better Hanji. be in the next episode. Yeah, if it's not in the next episode, I'm gonna be a little bit disappointed. Do you think the opening will change? I think so. It's changed all the other seasons halfway through, so I think it'll change. I think the first half, unfortunately, I think is mainly gonna be about these guys, and I don't think we're gonna see the rest of them until the second half. Or at least right, not mostly right. until the second half. Also, I wonder if Aaron will start having all sorts of memories about his past lives and start feeling differently about fighting that's what i'm wondering as well because i know that people with his titan in the past have been really overcome by wanting to have peace i'm just wondering if that's the case yeah i have a feeling he's gonna want to commit mass genocide really i think he wants revenge on all the people who did this to him and all of the eldians wow but we'll have to see won't we I'm excited to keep watching more. Me too. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. I guess that's our last podcast for the year. Yeah, this is our last podcast for 2020. We've watched a lot of great anime this year. Mm -hmm. And I know we'll keep watching more next year too. So thank you everybody for listening. This was our first year as a podcast. So it's been great. Thanks yeah, so much for awesome listening. it's been awesome podcasting for you guys this year. We will see you in yeah. 2021. Thanks for listening. See you next year. Oh, I'm a guy. Thank you, Hoiba. What? <laughs> <laughs>